to the chocolate bar, our lives, our strength, our time. I'm Bree, and I'm back with another amazing, awesome guest. Super excited to have this conversation today. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead and get started, and I'm going to ask our guest to tell us who she is and what she does. Uh, hello. <laughs> I am so awkward. Okay, okay, okay. It's okay. Um, but hi. Who are who are you? <laughs> my name is uh Shakasia Johnson. I go. Everyone calls me Kasia. All my friends. So you can call me Kasia. Um, I am an Olympic weightlifter in the seventy six kilo weight class. Which uh, powerlifters and stuff listen to this. So that's like a hundred and sixty seven pounds. Mm-hmm. I compete at. Um, I am a multi time national gold medalist. Um, I've made a couple of international teams. Currently yes, have you are. <laughs> <laughs> currently have the world not world. Ooh, I wish I had the world record. The American record in the snatch at 109 kilos, which is 240 mm-hmm. pounds. And um Yeah. And the resident goofball. I love it. Well <laughs> I thank you again for taking the time out to talk to us today. Um so I usually like to start these things off uh Sort of finding out a little bit about, you know, who you are. Like, how did you get into um, strength sports? Were you So the question really is, tell me about your relationship with sports when you were a wee, a wee bit thing, a, a youngster. Were you a tomboy or were you more sort of just not into it? Tell me about what that looked like for you as a young person. Um, so I was most definitely a tomboy. I never wanted to play girl sports. I always wanted to play with the boys. Mm-hmm. And um, growing up, I had all brothers, so like I never wanted to play softball. So I would practice baseball with my brother's team. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever they had football practices, I would like run the drills and stuff with them, or like help out with the drills. Um, my dad had this one fifty-pound dumbbell that I used to always like try to pick up and like lift and stuff like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so like, yeah, I've always gravitated towards like being strong and like being able to compete with the boys. Mm-hmm. But I never mm-hmm. officially started playing sports until I was 13. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I always joke with my dad. I was like, you didn't allow me to play sports until they were free. Mm, I know that's right. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what sports did you play when you were young? Um, so besides like playing baseball and football and stuff with my brother, the first mm-hmm. sport that I started doing was I tried out for the middle school basketball team. Mm-hmm. Um, did not make the cut, so I ended up playing for like a, a rec league. Mm-hmm. Um, I had also tried out for volleyball. I also didn't make the volleyball team because I was too powerful. Like I could not, mm. I could not set or bump or whatever it's called to save my life. I yeah. could always go to the Raptors. <laughs> and you were like, boom, man. <laughs> and then, um, and then I tried out for track, and I mm-hmm. made that team. But also, they can't cut people, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so <laughs> you pretty much were trying and doing all the things. Um, yeah. I love it. It was free, so, so I was like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> hey, that's what it's about. I, as a parent, I understand. Um, so tell me a little bit about what your relationship was like with your body when you were young. You know, I know for a lot of young Black women, um, you know, sometimes we, we come up with some challenges with that, particularly because we're never the standard. You know, we know what the standard is, and it is not us. Um, so I'm always curious to hear about, um, to talk to athletes a little bit about what that relationship was like with your body growing up. No, yeah. So, um, not only was it like, like you said, the societal standard of like what a body's supposed to look like, and like you never see black bodies in the media, so you never know what mm-hmm. you're supposed to look like. But 
but it's also like the stigmas and everything from your family like even your family like even if it's unintended right um because like i've always like had a body i guess mm-hmm. quotations you can't see my quotations but like better <laughs> i'm always like had a body i know so, what you mean yeah so like i had boobs i don't have them anymore because you know weightlifting um mm-hmm. and like i had a butt and everything like that and so like i was always told to cover up or like right. wear long skirts like wear turtlenecks and stuff like that because like as my grandma would say no man wants a girl who like shows off her body or something like that or like mm-hmm. men are going to respect you or like basically like you're too pretty to like be showing yourself like this so like cover yourself up so that like right. people don't ogle at you we're supposed to make other people comfortable yeah like mm-hmm. dim your light so that other people can shine so other people can like <clears throat> sorry Mm-hmm. for everyone else's comfortability so right um yeah so i grew up definitely with body dysmorphia and like not liking that the way i looked because i thought like i had i had too much butt i had too much boob i mm-hmm. i don't know like because i was pretty i had to watch what i said or did because i didn't want to give anybody an, an, an invitation to <clears throat> do something that i didn't want them to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so oh, man so many of us got those messages Ugh. And it's like you don't know until you're older how much that really affects you. But yeah. you know, hopefully we can change the change the story for for the young women coming up after us. Yeah. You know, the thing um, just being protective, right? Because either right. something yeah, like I mean, either they have their own traumas or like they've seen things that have happened or something. So they're like, if I tell you to do all these things and I'm protecting you, and they don't realize mm-hmm. that they're actually like confining you to a small space that you're eventually going to exactly. have to dig your way out of, and you're going to have to undo these traumas later. Right, exactly. And, I, you know, I say all the time, our parents, our grandparents, our, you know, whomever did the best they could with what they had. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a little easier now as I'm, like I said, as I'm growing to kind of view them through more of a compassionate lens, um, because, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So, right. you know, hopefully we can take that and, and do things differently. Um, So you, you know, played sports in, you said, starting um, when you were about 13. Did you play in high school, college? Like, what did that look like then? Uh, so, yes. Yeah. So then in um, high school, I tried out for basketball again. I made that team, and I did track all four years. Mm-hmm. So I just did basketball and track. I only did basketball for my um, my freshman and sophomore year, and then mm-hmm. I didn't make the team my junior year because of um, – mm-hmm. Because of my attitude. Mm, tell me more. <laughs> um, so, like, I mean, it was all because I was, in my opinion, I wasn't great. Because, like I said, I didn't start playing sports until I was 13. But mm-hmm. I always felt like I was one of the better players on the team. And so, like, mm-hmm. I played into that. Like, I let my word ethic yeah. show that, like, I deserve to be in this spot. And I didn't feel like I was getting a fair shake from the coaches. And so mm-hmm. I, because of that, I did have some animosity towards them. And it did come off as like me having an attitude problem. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I remember there was, because there was like a freshman A and a B team. So like A team was like the better team or whatever. And I got put on B team. But mm-hmm. this athlete who was not better than me at all was on mm-hmm. A team simply because the coach liked her. And like uh-huh. I made my grievances known or whatever. And I think so that got me labeled and then the same thing happened Mm -hmm. my sophomore year when I was on JV like I wasn't a starter and I was like I put in all this work like I deserve Mm -hmm. to be in this space like when we go one-on-one when I go one-on-one with this person in practice like I beat them every time so there's no reason Mm -hmm. why I shouldn't be in this position like I'm doing the work I'm putting in the effort you see it 
everyone sees it. So like, mm-hmm. yeah. And so then junior year, they cut me. And the reason that they said they cut mm-hmm. me was because they were like, there's no juniors on JV. Like if you're going to be, if you're a junior, you have to be on varsity. And then like two days later, I look at the team and I'm like, well, there's like one, two, three, four, five juniors on this JV team. So like, mm-hmm. what is the actual deal? And then that's when I right. like, set up a meeting with the coaches and they were like, yeah, this is why you got cut. Wow. But yeah, but I learned from that too because it's like just because you feel like you are a certain way, like even if you feel like you're the best player on the team, mm-hmm. you can't always. I'm not gonna say not let that known because like if you're great, walk in your greatness. The heck, right? There's a specific way you have to go about it. Like you kind of have to like toe the line mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. walking in your greatness and doing what you need to do for. Um, what am I trying to say? Do whatever it is that you need to do for the other people to feel comfortable around you, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. It's interesting how we <laughs> spend our whole lives doing that, really. So in the line. Um, yeah. And then so in college, did you play any sports? I actually did not go to college. Oh, okay. So, um, I was I actually was gonna, supposed to go to college. I was supposed to be a heptathlete. Hmm. Okay. So okay. Um, I actually started doing CrossFit to get stronger and everything because I was like mm-hmm. in high school I, I ran jumping through but um my senior year all I did was throw but the colleges that were recruiting me like saw my resume and they were like yeah we want you to do this and so I started mm-hmm. CrossFit to like get better overall and um okay. through CrossFit I found weightlifting and then like toward like the second semester of my senior year I was like I no longer knew what I wanted to do like mm-hmm. I wanted to be an OBGYN since I was like two since I had started mm-hmm. walking and then suddenly I didn't know what I wanted to do anymore. So I actually like turned down all my scholarship offers and just focused on weightlifting. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. That was actually going to be my next question. How <laughs> Did you find weightlifting or how did it find, did you find it or did it find you? But it sounds like you found it maybe. <laughs> yeah, I found it. That's awesome. So tell me about um, the process of getting into weightlifting. I know you, you said you started CrossFit and, um, did you want to get stronger and then you decided weightlifting was your thing what was that what was that journey like oh man it was fun but it was hard mm-hmm. it was really hard and then also like I was dealing with the stigma because like everyone in my family like wanted me to go to college and like be a mm-hmm. doctor and all this other stuff so like it was more so when I first started it, it was me like proving myself to them like I didn't make the wrong mm. decision like I am doing exactly what I'm supposed to do I'm going exactly I'm following the path that God or whoever you know laid for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like this is what God or the universe wants me to do so like this is what I'm supposed to be doing if I was meant to go to college and like be that doctor I would have gone right right so it was hard but it was it, it was fun it was rewarding dropped mm-hmm. plenty of barbells on my head um <laughs> And it also was like the body awareness aspect because I had never like, I mean, for me, I have always been like aware, but because, because I'm blind, I don't see things or feel things the way everyone else feels them. Mm, interesting. If that makes sense. So like, not only was I like adapting to learning how to move my body in a space that I never moved it in before. Right. But I also had to like get myself in tune with that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Um, yeah, that's actually interesting that you bring that up. I think that was one of the things that, um, you know, as I started sort of, you know, just noticing more folks doing these sports and, and, you know, noticing black women doing street sports and, you know, thinking about, you know, all the things that we 
we take on and we do in addition to, you know, things that we're passionate about. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember just kind of randomly reading one day on one of your posts about, um, um, I forgot how you phrased it, but being being blind in one eye. And I was like, wait a minute, how does that work if you're, if you're lifting weights, very heavy weights above your head? Um, so, um, yeah, I was wondering if you could maybe tell, uh, tell us a little bit about your story. Like, was, was that something from birth or did that something that came about later and how you were able to kind of adjust what you needed to do to accomplish your goals? No, yeah, so um, I was not blind at birth. I actually, mm -hmm. like, was born, like, normal. Uh -huh. That's probably wasn't the word to use, but I was born with two eyes. Mm -hmm. um, but then I was two. I had an accident um, with a knife, and I actually stopped oh, okay. my eye. Um, so I was supposed to be able to see again. I had a bunch of surgeries on it, but ultimately, like I can't see out of it. Like the eyeball is still there, but oh, okay. it doesn't. Like none of the codes or none of the receptors, nothing works in there. I can't see light or anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so. Um, I don't, like, because it happened when I was younger, because I was two and I'm now 24, like, I don't remember ever having two eyes. Mm, so, like, to, okay. yeah, so, like, to me, this is normal, but I do notice that, like, I can't, like I said, I don't see things the way some people see them, or I can't do certain things that people do, like, it takes me more effort mm -hmm. to perform, like, simple tasks sometimes. Right, right. I'm like, and I always feel off balance. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I always kind of feel off balance, and that was my biggest thing when I first got into weightlifting. Was like everything always felt off. I always felt like I was pulling harder with the right side of my body because like I was aware of where things were on that side, but like the left side would always be like mm -hmm. lagging behind or like slow or whatever. So I would and like to say how do you how do you adjust for that? Because I mean, I would imagine with weightlifting, like you said, body awareness is pretty important. Uh, you know, especially if you're you know lifting very heavy things over your head. <laughs> no, yeah, so. How do, you, how do you adjust for that? Or how does that work in your training? How do you adjust your training? No, yeah, so because of, uh, because I'm lifting, lifting very heavy things over my head, um, I had to learn very quickly that, um, I had to learn very quickly about like proprioception and like body awareness and like where I am in spaces. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, um, Honestly, what I did, and I would not recommend this to anybody, uh -oh. but, <laughs> but when I first started lifting, I actually did lift with my eyes closed. Really? Like, both of them. Like, I would close my other eye um, huh. just to, like, gain a sense of, like, where I was and, like, how the bar was moving and how my body was moving in relation to it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't, like, with heavy weights. Like, I wasn't loading 90 kilos on the bar and, like, snatching with my eyes shut. Right. Or, like, with the bar with, like, 35 kilos or something like that. Like, mm -hmm. I would close my eye and try to, like, fill the space that I was in. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that helped a lot with my body awareness and, like, knowing how to move in those spaces. Mm -hmm. And then, like, so, as, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, as far as, um, like, actual training adaptations, like, I don't have to make any special adaptations. Like, I, mm -hmm. I do everything just like everybody else. So then why would you not recommend that to anyone? Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, it sounds like it worked out really well for you. <laughs> Well, you know, you know, um, I'm probably a special case in that respect. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> you never know what can happen when you can't, when you can't right. see, especially when you're getting the heavier weights. Yeah. Like, I mean, you yeah. Let me put that, that disclaimer out there. Don't try this at home. Do not, do not try this at home, folks. Don't do that. Don't do what I do. Okay. Um, I am an idiot sometimes. Do not do what I do. That is hilarious. 
So back to, um, we talked about getting into CrossFit and then, you know, finding weightlifting and saying, yep, this is the path. This is what, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be doing. I'm curious how, um, you know, whether it's CrossFit or, or weightlifting with your body. I remember we talked a little bit about what that was like as a younger woman. And so finding these two things, how did that impact you? Um, so at first... It was kind of negative because like again like along with the like you look like this so you have to behave like this it was like now it was like why are you so muscular like mm. men don't like women who are stronger than them or like more muscular than them or whatever like that mm-hmm. or like like i quite literally remember like at a meet one time my birth mom had decided to show up for whatever reason Mm-hmm. And then, like, I went over to talk. To, I went over to like talk to her and my grandma, or whatever. And she quite literally grabbed my boob in front of everybody and was like, "You're losing your titties." Like, wow. you see what this weightlifting stuff is doing to you? You're losing your titties. And um, so uh, it was yeah. The it was first of all that was very traumatizing because why would you do something like that? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm sitting here with my mouth. Like, like, <laughs> like, um, <laughs> it's like first like. Women, I don't even know you, and you're, like, right. touching me in a way that I don't want to be touched. Um, so, yeah, it was a lot of, like, those, like, Saturday night comments and then, like, stuff like that. That, um, for for a long time, like, I was lifting heavy weights, but I was not eating. Mm-hmm. So that I didn't get mm-hmm. too bulky. Um, so I didn't get, like, too buff or, like, look like these other people or whatever. Or like, right. And I got asked on several occasions, like, are you doing drugs? Like, are you on steroids and stuff? And it's like, I'm not even big. Right, exactly. Like, quite literally, like, if you just saw me walking around, you wouldn't think that I was strong. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then also, I got, I don't know why, but I also got asked if I was pregnant a lot. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, and I was like, what? <laughs> People are so random. They are. I was like, first of all, ma'am, it's Thanksgiving. I just ate. Like, right. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. But like, after that, like, it took it took like a year or two, and I still like don't have a good relationship with food. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I I love the way I look. Like, I love being strong. I love the way that strong looks. I love the way that strong feels. Mm-hmm. I love seeing other women, like, be strong and, like, walking in their truth and, like, doing what they want to do with their bodies. What do you think made that shift for you? Like, was there, a, a like, a pivotal, like, aha moment, or was it just kind of a gradual thing, like, yeah, I actually like the way I look? Um, I think it was kind of just a gradual thing, but honestly, um, I don't think that I ever really, like, internalized it. Like, I felt, like, what they were saying, and, like, in the moment... Did it, like, mm-hmm. hurt to, like, make me feel whatever type of way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know what? I'm doing this because I love it. So, like, whatever my body's doing is what it's supposed to do. Like, ah. it's giving me the performance that I want. Like, I'm, I'm strong. Mm-hmm. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm making these totals. I'm hitting these numbers that I probably never thought were possible. So, like, mm-hmm. the trade-off, you not liking how it looked, but me doing exactly what I feel like I'm meant to be doing. Like, I'm going to choose me every time. So I know that's right. Please repeat that. I'm every time. Oh, child, that was a word. Um, yeah, so it sounds like the emphasis kind of came off of the, the physical, I mean, the aesthetic, and it was more about the functional, what you could do. Um, sound, that, is that pretty accurate? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. All right. 
So um, I know you mentioned um, earlier that, you know, there, there was some negativity with, with some uh, people that were close to you. What are your what do you what do your family and friends think about your um, weightlifting career now? They're all really supportive of it now. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, my grandma also like. So when are you going to college? And I'm like, grandma, <laughs> listen, college is gonna be there when I'm eighty. I can Amen. only be <laughs> I can only be a semi professional, elite, goodish, okayish weightlifter for so many more years. Mhm, mhm. So like, when this is over, I will go, Grandma. Like, Grandma, when this is done, I promise you, I will get you that doctorate. But for <laughs> me, <laughs> grandmothers are so funny. Like, you can go off and literally like discover the moon. They'll be like, okay, but when are you? <laughs> when are you gonna do this thing? Like, I know you're an Olympian, but can you go to college now? Like, come right. On. I mean, I'm an Olympian. Like, you know what? I'm about to have like deals and stuff. Okay. Right. I'm right. gonna get us out the hood. I'm just playing. But um. Listen, they keep us humble. <laughs> they definitely keep us humble. But no, they're really um, supportive. Most of them don't even know what I do, though, because weightlifting mm-hmm. is such a small sport, and, like, it has, like, the visibility is, like, poor at best. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They don't even really grasp, like, what I do. They're just like, oh, she works out for a living. She works out for fun right. or whatever the case may be, you know? So, right. Right. And they're like, okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but the ones who know love and support me, so. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so speaking of that, in terms of visibility, that's, you know, again, obviously one of the main reasons I wanted to sort of start this project and start this podcast, because, you know, there's not a lot of us doing sports, you know, whether it's only or powerlifting or whatever, it's, you know, it's kind of hard when you can't, when you don't see what it is that you aspire to. So um, my question for you is, you know, in terms of, um, you know, representation in Olympic powerlifting, like, what do you... What do you make of the fact that it's still, and you know, the the internet's I think has helped. It has raised visibility in, in a lot of ways. But what do you make of the fact that there still aren't really a lot of us in Olympic weightlifting? Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, it's still shocking because it's like black people are fucking like magical. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not one space that you can put us in that we don't thrive at. And especially, right. like, we have always been stronger and faster. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. I really don't understand why a lot of more people don't gravitate towards this towards this sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Do you think it's more on the part of, you know, like I said, you know, us just either not knowing about it or no. not, us not seeing ourselves? Or do you think there's some... I don't know what we want to call it, gatekeeping that happens that also can be challenging. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it would be like gatekeeping within our own community, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because like we're mm-hmm. expected to like do certain jobs and like be in this certain lane. So like anything that right. deviates from that is like frowned upon. Like it's it's not acceptable. Um mm-hmm. so with along with the lack of visibility, because like where would you go to find out about weightlifting? Like, had I not right. walked into a CrossFit gym, I would have never known that I could be strong. Like, exactly. living. Like, <laughs> I can travel the world being strong, just putting things over my head. Like, the right. heck? Right. Um, so, yeah, along with it. But it's, like, kind of the same thing. Like, you know how, like, it's not, like, looked fondly upon for, like, black men to be gymnasts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. So, so I feel like... 
So if there was a young woman who was listening to this podcast and was interested in, you know, trying Oli, but again, was either, you know, hasn't really seen anyone or, you know, feels sort of intimidated by, by it, um, what advice would you give her to get started? I would just, I would just tell her to like walk into that room, walk into that space, mm-hmm. learn as much as she can about it. Like look up people who look like her that are doing it for inspiration. Mm-hmm. Like um, we currently like, like a few months ago, me and well, I'm not gonna say me, I didn't start it, but a bunch of like, <laughs> <laughs> let me let me preface that I did not start this. This was not my thing. I'm not gonna take anybody's mm-hmm. flowers. Um, I think. Actually, I think T started it. I think her name is Taryn Pascal. Please mm-hmm. tell me I'm saying her name right. Um, she started, she and a couple other ladies started this group called the Black Platform. Mm-hmm. And it's a bunch of Black women, women who like me, women who like you, who are, mm-hmm. are in strength sports. So they do powerlifting, they do Olympic weightlifting, um, like CrossFit and everything else. Like just Black women in sports is what mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I feel like that space has, like, really helped a lot of Black women because, like, we're all uplifting each other, we're all helping each other out. So, like, find yourself mm-hmm. in a space where people, with people who look like you, people who are encouraging you. And, okay. yeah. That's good advice. <laughs> um, I feel like that's so not ta- as eloquent as it could have been, but... Say that again? So I feel like I didn't say that as eloquently as I could have said it, but... You said it just fine. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit about what your what your you know sort of lifting program looks like right now. Are you on season, off season? Like, what does a typical week of training look like for you? Man, there is never an off season in weightlifting. <laughs> like, there is no off season. There is no off season. Like, when I tell you, I'm always like in pain. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But no, actually, I did from like October to January. I took like three months off. Mm-hmm. Um, the pandemic just hit hard. Yeah. And, like, there was, like, no meets. There were no competitions. There was, like, really nothing to look forward to. So I kind of, like, got burned out with training. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I took those three months off. I got, like, a real person's job. Um, <laughs> Please tell me what a real person's job is. <laughs> it, it's ghetto is what it is. <laughs> like, a real person's job. Listen, that is another word. Let me tell you. <laughs> it is ghetto. Like, I have to work for a paycheck. Like, what? Yeah. I have to do things I don't want to do. To like survive, zero out of ten do not recommend. <laughs> zero, like negative two million <laughs> out of ten do not recommend. No, sorry. Uh, but um, now, okay, so you took some time off. You got a real person's job. I mean, I don't have the real person's job no more because, like I said, it's ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I, this is enough of that. <laughs> Man, and then like I uh, started training like about three times and just to, like work back into it, and now I'm like working back into like being on a full program. Um, mm-hmm. I was sick like this last week, so like uh-huh. I only tra- I only trained two days this last week. But normally I'm training five days a week. My off days mm-hmm. are Thursdays and Sundays. Mm-hmm. So working back into that, I have a meet in a couple of weeks actually that I am not going to be ready for. My God, it's coming up quick. Are you working with a coach? Yes, my coach is Max Ada with a okay. Juggernaut Training Systems. Okay, shout out, shout out. Shout out. Um, <laughs> the GOAT. Best coach I've ever had. 
That's awesome. <laughs> so um, I know you mentioned that, you know, prior to all of this, you were not necessarily um, eating in a way that, you know, probably supported your goals. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I usually, I like, I do not like the diet word. I don't use it. I don't believe in it necessarily. But I'm always curious as to sort of, you know, how, again, how do you or what do you need to sort of support what it is that you're doing now? You know, some people ascribe certain ways of eating or not. Uh, so I'm just curious to hear what that looks like for you. I, so I was like a few years, a couple of years back. Um, I did RP, like they helped me cut weight for meat or whatever. Okay. And so I was doing, can, I was doing RP. Can you remind our listeners what that is? RP is Renaissance Periodization. That word, periodization. Am I saying that right? <laughs> Am I saying that right? Yes, you are. <laughs> okay. Um, but it's like, uh, it's basically like it's diet coaches and they like help you. They tailor a diet to like your specific needs and goals mm-hmm. to help you like succeed. Mm-hmm. My only problem is, is that like it was super strict. Like if I wanted to go like have a pint of Benny Dre's after like a hard training session, I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't mm-hmm. like that. I didn't like being confined. Right. Like, it was cool when I was restricting myself, but, like, you can't restrict me, too. Right, exactly. Like, we can't both be being restrictive, okay? <laughs> I can do what I want to. Man. It's like, you can't yell at my brother. I can yell at my brother, but you can't. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, and so then I stopped doing that, and I just started eating intuitively. So, it was like, okay, these are the things that, like, I know on RP that when I was eating made me feel good, so I'm going to keep eating these. Mm. And then, but, like... Yeah, but then I would still use them for weight cuts up until, like, about a year ago. And I just, like, my body just doesn't agree with it. Like, mm. whenever I was, like, on the diet, like, I quite literally could not have a bowel movement. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, wow. I legitimately, like, when I was on RP before meets, I would have to give myself an enema because I wouldn't have uh, defecated in, like, two weeks. <laughs> oh, no, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was like, maybe this isn't for me. Like, my body just doesn't, like, agree this way of dieting like mm-hmm. is it bad no does it work for people absolutely it just didn't work yeah. for me so now i just kind of eat intuitively i definitely still do not eat um as much as i should mm-hmm. okay. like today it's almost two o'clock and i have not had a single bite of food yet girl <laughs> i've had a cough drop i've had a cough drop and some water um so yeah so I'm, oh i'm working on like eating more to be young again, because let me tell you something, my old ass would have been passed out somewhere if I hadn't eaten yet today. No, legitimately. Uh-huh. <laughs> for two years, for two years, I would not eat all day, go train for like four hours, and then I would come home, have a pint of mini drinks, and go to bed. Lord have mercy. Okay, <laughs> we, we gonna work on that in 2021. Well, yes, we working on it, girl. We working okay. on it. Okay. Okay, good. I'm not to hear that. Um, so, is there anything about your weightlifting journey that um, has surprised you? man I will say along with like the support that I received because I did not realize that like there really be people out here rooting for you mm-hmm. there really mm-hmm. be people out here who want to see you like thriving and doing your best and doing great right um so that has always been cool because I'm one of those people that like you know like to fight the hard fight alone mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I like to just you know walk head on into battle without an army but it's been kind of cool to like see people like around me and supporting me and like wanting to see me do better and like pushing me to be my best. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And also, like, I didn't have that because, like I said, like, I would, like, when I first started this sport, like, there was backlash even from when I was little. Like, I've never felt like I've had people actually, like, supporting me for me. Mm -hmm. And, like, what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So that Mm -hmm. has been really cool to, like, have people who, like, genuinely are supporting me and, like, rooting for me. And then also, like, I just, I learned a lot about myself. Mm -hmm. Like, I had to... um, What's the word I'm looking for? I I learned a lot about worth ethic. Okay. I think because I'm initially I was like naturally gifted in some ways. Like I didn't like try as hard. Like I thought, like I said, like the eating thing. Like normal people have to eat. Right. Like normal right. people can't not eat and then like go snatch two hundred and fifty pounds. Like normal people mm-hmm. don't do that. Um. And so like I took that for granted a lot. Um, also, it's just, it was, for me, the biggest thing was, like, mindset and, like, mental fortitude. Mm-hmm. Like, before mm-hmm. when I first started weightlifting, like, if I missed my opening snatch, I was done the rest of the competition. Like, I would go oh, to the back, gosh, I would have, <laughs> yeah, I would have an entire mental meltdown, and, like, right. I would... I would not be able to lift another weight. Like, I would miss the rest of my attempts. In right, you got, like, five whole-ass lifts left. <laughs> right, it's like, girl, if you don't chill the fuck out. Right. <laughs> and so, uh, I learned a lot about mental fortitude and, like, mm-hmm. positive self-talk and, like, just believing in myself. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. has gone a long way for me and me becoming the athlete that I am now. Because if I did not have those things, I would not be where I am now. I would not be thriving I would not have the opportunities that I have now because I would have mm-hmm. never I would have never made it here like I would either I would right. either quit or I would have just been like one of those mental head cases that eventually just like fizzle out right right what do you wish you had known about um this whole weightlifting journey and process when you started oh man that's a good question I'm not really like a hindsight's 2020 type person Mm-hmm. It's like I whatever happens is what happens, and I adjust to that based on what I've learned. Okay, I like that. Yeah, I don't I really like, like to like have regrets of like yeah, if I would have known this and I would have done this differently, because it's like if I would have known this and done this differently, I wouldn't be right now. You wouldn't be where you are right now. That is so true. Yeah, that like had so I known true. everything back then that I know now, I would have I wouldn't have taken this path. Like I would have done things yeah. differently, and like who knows what would have happened. Right, right. So I love it. No regrets. I love that. No regrets. Um, no Ron Gertz. Um, <laughs> that's a damn shame that we all know that. Um, so I wanted to ask you about this because this, again, is one of the, I think, the first times that I sort of became aware of who you were. And again, it was such a moment cemented in my brain, like, okay, we, you know, we people have to know about this. People have to know about what, you know, we were doing in these amazing sports. And I... It was the it was the first time that I saw the photo of you, Taylor and Kiana on the podium. The chocolate um, drops. Listen, I call that triple crown because when I tell you, like, there was just something about seeing that picture that just, I mean, it just really moved me. I was like, look at this shit right here. Who are these women, right? <laughs> um, so I'm curious. Can you tell us a little bit about that meet and sort of what that moment felt like for you when you looked to your right and looked to your left? Man, I think in the moment, like, not a single one of us, like, Talar, me, Kiana, like, none of us really 
realized the impact that that photo had until like mm-hmm. posted it on social media. Like we got so much positive feedback um, right. from it. Because to us, it was just like, you know what? We doing the damn thing. Like, you know. But then we like, like after the beat, like immediately after me though, we were like, because somebody said something and we were like, wait, was this the first like all black platform that like this we've right. ever seen? Like, is this the first time that like black women have like occupied right (laughs) have like dominated an entire field like it was it was crazy but it felt so good and like us three we have always supported each other because I think one of the things is too is that like when you're a minority in a sport is that Mm -hmm. like you're taught to like compete against each other and like go head to head and like one of you has to be the best like one of you has to be the best colored folk and we were never like that like we all supported each other like genuinely like even in the back like I know that my next lift has to be Joe lift, but I'm gonna I'm going to root for you to make that lift. Right, right, right. And so yeah, we've always supported each other, but it, it felt it felt really good to like be surrounded by people who look like you, and for all of you guys to be like thriving. Yeah, yeah. To so all so be good. at the top of your game together. I just, I mean, there must be no better feeling than that. No, it, it was it was definitely a beautiful moment, and we are actually like we're actually like friends, like we're actually cool, like we actually talk. Mm-hmm. And like there was never any of that. Like even though people probably wanted us to compete against each other, like it was never any of that. Like we all genuinely like support and love one another. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. goes a long way too. Is like not only are you, you're having this representation of like these black women who were like excelling at a sport, but also like they genuinely have love for each other and are genuinely supporting each other and yeah. want each other to succeed. Yeah, I love it. And so many people try to feed us that BS that we don't support each other. So. When I see stuff like that, it just, it really just warms my heart. Um, it's so funny. I feel like I'm collecting infinity stones because, you know, I, I did um, I did an interview with uh, Hugh last year. Well, maybe it was a year before. I think she was still pregnant with Baby Boy. And now I've done this. And now i got to get that final infinity stone to Laura. My, my <laughs> got to get to <laughs> Got to get all three chocolate drops for the power to be. You know. I've been trying to get them back on the platform. I was like, what are y'all listen? Like, listen, I know y'all owe. I'm just playing. I didn't say that. Don't, don't tell them I said that. <laughs> Look, I was like, oh, you said that? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just playing. They go listen to this and be like, I'm going to fight you. <laughs> I'm definitely not editing that part out. <laughs> but listen, I know y'all old and got families, but come on now. Somebody, like, listen. It's just me out here. Right, it's just right, me. Right, right. Like, I never really got to compete with Jenny. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, never well, got to be hurt. But also, that means that it's time to bring up that new crop so that you can get back on the platform with, with some other, some other young up and coming lifters. Man, I was like, where are y'all at? Where are y'all at? Because if I see y'all, but like, there's Maddie Sasha, but she also she doesn't compete with me. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. She's been been doing this for a hell of a lot longer than I have. Yeah, she's yeah. put like a decade into this work. Um, well, it doesn't, and and maybe you can answer this for me. Is is so I don't know that I, I see a lot of masters only lifters. I know they're out there. Um, I think I see more masters like power lifters, even crossfitters. Is it like you think it's always just so hard on the body? It's kind of hard to move into that space once you are a certain age? Or do you think, I mean, because I know for me, I'm like, look, the way my cartilage involved with that up, mm-mm, ain't no way. I would love, if I were younger, I would have loved to have tried it, but no, 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 no. Um, so do you think it's harder on the body than other sports that you've done? 
no. I think the lack of Masters athletes in the sports has more to do with like, the visibility of the sports. Like, when you do gotcha. see Masters athletes, it's because they got into it as a master. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Like, if you already know about the sport, and then, like, a lot of people who, like, already know about the sport don't want to transition into Masters because it makes them feel a certain way to, like, have that name in front of whatever they're competing against, you know? Like, mm-hmm. Masters Nationals doesn't sound as cool as Nationals. Mm. Well, I mean, I think it, you know, I think it has a, a rather dignified ring to it. I'm just saying that to make myself feel better. Anyway. Um. <laughs> I was like, me, listen, if I can't live with the young people, I'm not lifting no more. Like, I'm not competing as no master. I don't care if I'm 47. If I can still live with the youngins, I'm lifting with them. Hey, I hear you. I hear you. Um, no, no, I think that's what it is, is that no one finds out about the sport until later in life. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I know you mentioned, um, you know, there were no meets or anything sort of when quarantine hit. But I'm curious um, as to how else this whole situation affected your training over the last year. Um. So, like... Our gym shut down. Um, mm-hmm. I train at Strong Barbell Club, strongest gym in the Midwest. Um, where are you located, by the way? I was about to ask you, where are you from? I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. And you're there now, or where are you located? Yes, I am unfortunately still here. <laughs> in the Midwest. Well, I know that good barbecue, though. Yeah. Or is that the other camp? No, no, it's Kansas City. No, no, no. It's, it's Missouri. Emphasis on Missouri, because people always want to say, oh, you're from Kansas? No, I'm not from Kansas. Don't nobody live in Kansas. Don't nobody want to go to Kansas. I am from Kansas City, Missouri. Missouri. Okay. Now that I'm done with that. Um, okay. So your gym <laughs> shut down in Kansas City. Missouri. Missouri. <laughs> you're like, get it right. Okay. Yeah. I stand corrected. <laughs> But no, yeah, it shut down for a couple months there. I forget how long mm-hmm. it was shut down, but, like, the gym owners were nice enough to, like, let me borrow some equipment so that I could, like, train out of my garage. Oh, okay. Um, and not really out of my garage, because it's still in my garage as well, so I would legitimately have to, like, train on the three-inch thick, like, level part of my driveway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so I did that for a little bit. <laughs> What'd you say? I said so many people were doing that. It was so, lots of videos of garage training or driveway yeah. training as I like to call it yeah and so like even then like and I think that's when like my consistency in training like went down because it's like mm-hmm. I'm not around my people anymore like I'm not in my space and like right. when you're at home it's easy to be like oh I'll go train later you know all I gotta do is walk downstairs and right. it's like eight o'clock at night and you're like oh well the sun's gone so I gotta wait till tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> like oh well you look at the time I love it it's past my it. bedtime you know, mm-hmm. I haven't eaten yet today. It's 8 p.m. I've been binge-watching shows on Netflix all day. Like, you know, I'm not stretched out. My, my joints feel a little tight. So, you know, I'm just going to not do anything and make them tighter. Look, I feel so attacked right now. <laughs> I feel like I have this conversation with myself. <laughs> I, still, I still do it to this day. I'm like, you know what? It's 2 p.m. I'm not doing a damn thing. Like, not a singular thing is on my to-do list. Right. So I'm going to take a nap and go to the gym. And then that That's nap, all right. That nap turns into a sleep, and I'm like, you know what? It's 10 p.m. Can't go now. We'll try again tomorrow. <laughs> it's like, we're like, I'll get up at 6, and it's like 6.02. Oh, i got to wait till 7. <laughs> that is so funny. So what kinds of things have you, um, have you done to kind of take care of yourself during, during the shutdown? Like, you know, whether it's mental health or physically or just kind of, you know, bringing yourself a little joy in these dark moments. Lots of naps. Okay. Naps are good. Naps are the best. No, 
know, lots of lots of naps. I um, spent time with family and friends. Mm-hmm. Like I surrounded myself by like people I loved and cared about, and I think that helped a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm actually going to start doing now, and I'm gonna talk about this because I don't know why it's so stigmatized in the black community, but like go see a therapist, y'all. Yes. Yeah. See a therapist. Yes. Like get that that child. Your childhood trauma is not an excuse to be the same old person. Day after day, year after year, hour after hour, really. Mm-hmm. Like, go get the mm-hmm. help that you need. Go talk to somebody. Go let somebody help you. Amen. So, Amen. Yeah, I'm I gonna start seeing a therapist. Like, that literally was just, oh, child, that was, you know, we could we could just shut it off right now because that was it right there. That was it. Like, don't listen to this podcast. We'll listen to this podcast. But after you listen to it, go get a therapist. Work on yourself. Yeah. Be a better version yeah. of you. You know. Yes. If you don't do it for yeah. anybody else, do it for yourself. I love it. I love it all. I love it all. That is, yes. You know, it is Sunday. Somebody had to preach. Listen, the doors of the church are now open. Does the church say amen, amen? That is a word. Because we, like like you said, if we don't, you know, if we don't normalize it, then it's always going to be taboo in our communities. So we got to do a better job about making it seem like, you know, yeah, I got a bad gear, went to the therapist. And what? Like, Like, and what? You know? I really don't know why it's like that though. Like I've never understood why black people aren't allowed to like ask for help. Why we're always expected to like be strong and to just like take things on, especially black women. Yeah. Well, like, and you just—I mean—you answered your own question. We're never allowed to show any kind of vulnerability. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think like you—you know—mentioned before with some of the stuff we talked about um, that our parents would tell us. You know, I think it was a, a protective mechanism a lot of the times based on how they grew up and, and what mm-hmm. they were subjected to. So you know, I. I know myself, just probably like a lot of other, you know, black kids, don't you let them white folks see you cry, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, think about how being told that, you know, year after year after year, and then, you know, people wonder why I don't cry. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, being able to undo those, those, you know, um, misguided lessons, we'll call them, I think is, is our work. You know, you're right. It's, you know, somebody said, you know, it's okay that you, um, you know, it's not your fault that you had trauma, but it's your responsibility to heal from that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so, so very true. So thank you for that. Yeah, we have to teach black um, people that we are not impregnable. Like, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I said 2021, this, you know, for me was going to be the year of softness. I'm not, stop calling me strong. Stop calling me, you know, hardcore. Mm-hmm. Stop calling me all that shit. I need to be able to cry and you know, curl up in a ball and do all that stuff too. So it's not telling these boys, these young men, not to cry. Oh yeah, oh, it is yeah. okay for men to cry. I don't understand yeah. why. Listen, I'm like, we're about to. This ain't even the podcast. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, right. I told you. <laughs> this ain't even the podcast. But like, let these young boys cry. I think that's the one thing my parents did do. Yeah. It's like with my brothers, like they allowed them to feel their feelings, and like instead of telling yeah. them to, instead of telling them to stop crying, they would ask us like, why are you crying? Right. Especially more so with my brothers, because it's like you were completely entitled to like your feelings and like to feel sad or to feel angry or whatever. Like you can feel how you want to feel, but then also after you're done feeling what you're feeling, find a solution. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then you know we don't let them cry, and then when they grow up to be these you know terribly toxic fuckboys, then we wonder why. You know. It's like I didn't raise you like that. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. You You told me not to cry, and now I don't have any healthy applet. But to slap my girlfriend whenever she irritates me. 
Right, right. <laughs> it's like use your words. You know, we gotta we gotta come up with some more viable solutions than that. So I'm I'm definitely glad that you brought that up. Um, so here's the the fun part of the podcast. Well, it's all fun, but the fun part of the podcast for me is sort of when I get to ask you random questions. Mm-hmm. Um, there won't be a test later, and you don't have to study. Um, but just just fun stuff. So what's on your training playlist? Ooh. Honestly, mm-hmm. this is probably going to be like the least like fun answer you've ever gotten. That's okay. But uh, <laughs> I listen to sad bitch music when I train. <laughs> you listen to what? <laughs> sad bitch music. Did you say sad bitch music? Yeah, sad bitch. <laughs> please, please explain to this old person what that is. I listen to like a lot of like R and B and like soul and blue eyed soul and stuff like that. Oh, girl, please, that's good music. I listen to like James about. Arthur. Um, I tell people all the time, like, I was like, I was like, if you can't train the Whitney Houston, I don't know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. If you can't put on "I Love Me Some Him" by Tony Braxton and go PR, I don't know what to tell you. I love it. That <laughs> ain't nothing wrong with that. I listen to savage music. It's just like, cause especially like, you know, powerlifters. Are you a powerlifter? <laughs> You're like before I insult you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, before I make make this next statement, I appreciate you asking. <laughs> yes, I am, and this is a judgment-free zone, so please feel free to say what you were gonna say. I was gonna say, y'all powerlifters love heavy metal. No, ma'am. <laughs> no, ma'am. <laughs> I know it's a specific demographic, but um, I am straight up '90s R&B and hip hop. Oh yes, yes. But no, the powerlifters really love like heavy metal music yeah. for some reason and that just makes me anxious like i don't understand how you lift to that yeah like you go snort yeah. your I'm cocaine like, there's no eight count so i don't yeah. understand what's happening right now i'm just playing not cocaine i shouldn't have said that don't do drugs <laughs> um but the, the the ammonia right right you go sniff the rocks and then like put on some heavy first of all it sounds like they throw her <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like they have no vocal cords and they be singing the words too and i'm like you hear words Okay, let's let me move on to the next question. <laughs> I feel like this is going to take a complete left. <laughs> okay, but we'll talk about that offline. Um, okay. So, it is your last meal on earth. Oh. What are you eating? And that could be from, you know, three courses or one one item or whatever. No, I'm having a cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. I'm having a big, fat, juicy cheeseburger with the mm-hmm. fixings and some fries. Okay. And a chocolate milkshake. I know that's right. Keep it nice and simple. I love it. <laughs> I love burgers. That's my favorite food. What's your favorite and least favorite lift and why? Oh, it's contingent on the situation. Like, I love training snatch. Okay. But I love competing clean and jerk. Okay. Okay. Is there any particular reason why you gravitate towards those two? Uh... Because even though Snatch is, like, my stronger lift, it's my weaker mm-hmm. lift in competition. Hmm. Interesting. Because it's, like, it's the first lift that you do, and so, like, you're getting your jitters out with the most technical right. lift of the meat. Right. And right. so usually, like, the clean and jerk, I usually, that's where I, that's where I make up my kilos. That's where I make up my deficit. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm trying not to be like that anymore. Like, I think my last couple meets have been, like, better. But, yeah, I like training Snatch and competing clean and jerk. Okay. I like it. Um, is there a book that you've read that's had a lasting impact on you? 
Ooh. Ooh. I don't. I'm going to say no. Okay. Just because I read for escapism, I don't read to learn lessons. Okay. Well, then, what's the best escapist book that you've read? Um. I want to say. It's just the first book that comes to my head. It's Lock and Key by Jodi Picoult. Mm, okay. Okay. I like it. I yeah. like it. It was cool. I like books that like allow you to like envision yourself in the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. That sounds good to me. Um, what is the blackest thing that you have ever done? How much time we got? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can go over for this one. <laughs> The blackest thing that I have ever done. Well, first of all, today <laughs> I was like thirty minutes late. Oh, we just gonna narrow it down today. <laughs> we gonna start with today. Thirty minutes late. Black people don't know how to keep no damn time. It's ridiculous. It's so disrespectful. Um, you know, Negro rigging stuff. If something don't work, you know, when your remote don't work, you kind of just tap it. You kind of just bang it on your hand. Um, <laughs> like that's my brain was like, did she say Negro Rican? Like, Latino? And she said, oh, she said Rican. Oh, oh, yeah. Negro Rican. I talk, I talk with an accent sometimes. I really don't know why. Okay, give me an example of something that Negro rigged, please. Something that I Negro rigged. Oh, yes. My goodness. I really don't know the most outlandish thing I've Negro rigged. You know, you just kind of like throw tape on stuff, hope it stays together. <laughs> just use that duct tape, okay? For everything. I'm pretty sure I know exactly what it is, but it's like, because I'm on the spot right now, I can't think of nothing. That is hilarious. But no, I just be, I just be taping stuff together if it, you know, if it don't work. If it don't work, turn it off, turn it back on. If that don't work, then it's broke. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They don't take it to nobody to repair it. No, don't do that either. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was the best ever. You don't even have to. You don't have to give me a specific example. That was just that was just pure gold. Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> what's the first thing you're gonna do when outside opens? Honestly, I don't know. I have not been affected by outside being closed because I I'm a recluse to begin with. Uh, I don't okay. leave the house. I never left the house. So like when people were mad about mm-hmm. not leaving the house, I was like, why do you want to go out? Why do you want to be around people? <laughs> there, there are people out there. Right. Why do you want to socialize? Like, no, legitimately, the only thing I'm at, no, this is what I'm going to do. When outside opens back up, I am going to Walmart at 11 p.m. again. <laughs> okay. When there's nobody right. there. I like it. I'm tired of shopping during people hours. So what would Kasia of today tell 10-year-old and 20-year-old Kasia. What advice would she give them? Don't listen to those damn people. I love y'all, but I'm not listening to y'all. Listen, it took me 20 years, 21 years to undo the traumas that y'all instilled me with. So mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I would just simply not listen. Mm. I'd probably be grounded all the time, but you know what? I would be my own person, and it wouldn't have taken mm-hmm. me so long to, like, find my voice and to, like, speak up. Right. Right. I love it. I love it. Short and sweet. (laughs) All right. So this is the lightning round. Um, I'm going to say a phrase and I want you to finish it with one word. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
strength is beautiful. Love is patient. Black is ethereal. Say that again. Ethereal. Oh, I like that. I thought you whispered it. I, like, oh, I did whisper it. Y'all sound sensual. <laughs> Finally, Cajun. <laughs> That's not a word. <laughs> what am I? A goofball? That's two words. Funny. Okay. <laughs> is funny. She really is. She really is. I have totally enjoyed this conversation. This has been so much fun. Um, I'm so glad we finally got a chance to sit down and chat. And, you know, now that we've done this, you're not a guest, you're family. So if you ever want to come back on, just hit me up and say, girl, I got something to say. I got a joke to tell, whatever. Let me tell you about the blacks thing I did today. We can sit down and talk about it. I'm going to DM um, you and be like, girl, guess what I did? We just had this podcast. Guess what the hell I did as soon as I got off? No, I'd love to come back on anytime. Just hit me up. I'm gonna be doing shit. I'm a bum. So, so if you had one before we finish up, if you had one piece of advice or I don't know something to share with the listeners of this podcast today, what would that be? Do what you want to do because people are gonna have something to say regardless. Mm. I know that's right. <laughs> Chase that dream. I- get that bag. Do whatever yeah. you want to do. Listen, you might as well be happy while they're talking about you, right? Exactly. I love it. Where can the people find you on the internet? Uh, really, just Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. at quads like Kasia. I do not have a Facebook athlete page. Okay. Did I say that in the right order? Wait, say that again. Facebook. I said Facebook athlete page, right? You said you did or did not have one. I do not, but sometimes oh. I transpose entire words. Like, not letters. I be transposing entire words. I think you got it right. <laughs> I'll be like, put the refrigerator in the ice cream. <laughs> that is funny. So you mentioned you have a meet coming up in a few weeks. Do you have any other meets on the horizon that we should be watching out for, too? Nationals at the end of June. Ooh. National okay. Championship. Okay. Where is that going to be? Detroit. Oh, interesting. I think it's okay. going to be in Detroit. So, yeah. I'll be up in that thing, slinging some weights, hopefully. Slinging the weights, not letting them sling me. I love it. And we will be cheering you on all the way, my dear. Yay. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for chatting with me today. This has been just so much fun. And um, thank you to all of our listeners for listening in. And we will see you at the ball. Bye-bye.